Hi, I'm Andy Murray. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast. Now more than ever, retailers and brands are accelerating their quest to be more customer-centric. But to be truly customer-centric, it requires both a shift in mindset and ways of working, not just in marketing, but in all parts of the organization. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with practitioners, thought leaders, and scholars to hear their thoughts on what it takes to be a leader in today's customer-centric world. Hi there. For the final episode of this season, I felt it was only fitting to do a special interview with four University of Arkansas Walton College of Business students. The four I'm going to speak with have been following along with all 12 episodes of this series. So in this episode, I get to ask the students, what were their key takeaways after hearing from the 12 thought leaders I've had the pleasure of interviewing this season? After all, one of my major goals for doing It's a Customer's World podcast series was to help students get a peek into the changing customer landscape. So as they enter into the work world, they'll be more prepared to take on the unique challenges companies face today in becoming more customer-centric. Let's jump in and hear what they have to say. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to It's a Customer's World podcast, this very special podcast where I get the privilege of talking with four students that have been following this journey of, oh gosh, 11 or 12 podcast interviews with different leaders, thought leaders in this customer-centric space. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to just have a view from the students and a chance to walk through what they heard and some of the key insights around what's it mean to be a customer-centric organization. We covered so much ground, so much territory, but before we get started, I'd like to just go around the horn and have each one of you guys introduce yourselves. Yeah, I'll go first. My name's Jacob Mitchell, and I'm from the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, and I'm a senior marketing major here. Over the past summer, I had an internship with a small consulting uh, company doing some marketing services for small businesses, and I just want to thank you for having me on, Andy. I'm really excited. Yeah, well, thank you, Jacob. And sounds like you had some exciting entrepreneurial type adventures over the summer. So that's great. Who's next? I can go next. I'm Matt Barber. I'm a senior marketing and management double major. Uh, This past summer, I had the opportunity to intern at the U.S. Senate in Washington, D.C. And right now I'm currently working in sales and marketing. I'm glad to be here as well. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Great. Thanks, Matt, for joining. Thanks for the questions you submitted through the season. And uh, we will not talk politics. So we'll just have to leave that out for today. Sounds like a plan. Excellent. Taryn? Yeah. Hi, I'm Taryn Leininger. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm a senior marketing major and data analytics minor. I'm currently actually working in a student-ran business at the university, um, customer service manager. So obviously involved with the customers a lot. So I've enjoyed listening to these podcasts and I'm excited to be here. Oh, great. Well, you should have some interesting perspective given you're doing customer service type work now. What a great way to get as close to the customers you could possibly get. So great. Good to have you. Hi, I'm Shelby Hansen, and I am a double major in marketing and finance with a minor in psychology. This summer, I interned with a fixed income management firm in Austin, Texas, where I'm originally from, in more of a sales-oriented role, and 
I will be returning there full time after graduation, which is really exciting. And Andy, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having all of us. This is an amazing opportunity. Uh, well, thank you, Shelby. And I should say, I appreciate all you guys have given me questions over the course of the time to share with the presenters or the interviewees, and they've all really appreciated that, as I hope uh, you've heard through that. So it's a, a lot of work on your part to go through all of those and stay with this, and I appreciate it so, so much. Let's just start from the biggest picture, I suppose, of when you look at all the folks that we've gone through. How has it maybe have changed your perspective, any insights around the way you might have thought this space was about before, maybe even from not much to how it might change the way you look at these ideas when we talk about being a customer-centric organization. Yeah, I can take that first. So one of the biggest standouts to me throughout the whole series was the amount of time and energy spent in the marketing kind of industry on data and analyzing data and using data to make insights. So for me, I haven't had that much experience in that data analysis. So just hearing about almost, I mean, everyone talked about data and everyone talked about how important it is to understand data. So moving forward for me, I think I will just look to try to have experiences that expose me to data analysis and making decisions based off data in the future. Well, certainly, yeah, data does help you quite a bit uncover little patterns and, and such and insights from customers, especially when you're using data to eliminate dissatisfiers, which is the things that really bug customers. They tell you about that pretty easily, as you might find, Darren, from like customer service. So the data piece is it's really both a left brain, you know, what's the data say, plus the instincts and art of marketing. They, they both really have to be relatively harmonized. And so that's great. Uh, Taryn, what about you? Yeah, that's exactly what stood out to me was that harmonization between the art and the science, and the left and the right brain. Being a data analytics minor, we focus a lot on the machine learning and the understanding and being able to take our results and turn them into actionable insights. Um, but one thing we never really talk about that stood out to me in the podcast was taking a human lens to that and just being reminded of the fact that these are people behind these numbers. And so I think that's something I'll take with me moving forward for sure. It's interesting. One of the early podcasts was with uh, Paco Underhill, and he talked about he definitely leverages data, but there's nothing like boots on the ground in the store, perhaps with customers to get that human piece that just goes a bit beyond what the data can tell you. So that, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great insight. Matt? Yes, sir. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed most about the series was learning how much customer-centric organizations have grown in recent years. There was one statistic about, I think it was back in 2014, 10% of the Fortune 500, so 50 companies had established a CCO role or something of that nature. And I'm sure that number's grown since then. And also listening to Brenda Malloy talk, she discussed some of the traits and key criteria that companies need to look for when filling that role. And her advice was take notes from Andy Murray. And you kind of break that down and go more in depth on what that means is you want a leader who's going to be empathetic, show a lot of humility, someone who has a high EQ and is going to be passionate and curious. So I thought that was really interesting um, hearing about that. Well, I thought it was interesting to have a person that recruits into this space in the series because it kind of tells you, you know, what they're looking for. And there was quite a few people talked about some advice, I think, for students entering the workforce. And I remember with Wendy Liebman talking about the importance of asking 
being curious, you know, just showing that curiosity is a real tell for empathy because we talked a lot about empathy through the podcast series. I think that word came up quite a bit with a, a number of different people. And so that was, you know, great. You picked up on that. Shelby, what about you? Yeah, uh, just to kind of echo what Jacob and Terrence said. So I feel like in marketing as a whole, and then also in our coursework, we talk a lot about how to use data and interpret it, whether it's like seeing a trend or maybe an average, but really taking it almost that one step further and recognizing that there are humans behind it. And I got to listen to Sherilyn and I really loved what she said about how the CMO and marketers, we are the ones who drive that culture. We're the ones who recognize the importance of customers not being a transactional. That shouldn't be a transactional term. And just seeing like our employees and customers as people and expressing that empathy. That was a theme that I saw throughout all of the podcasts really that I thought was really impactful. That's great. I mean, there is a, it was pretty inspiring, especially if you heard Jim Stingle talk about the role that marketers can play in society and the leadership that that could build upon. That's what I think what Sherilyn was saying as well is it really gives you a bigger sense of responsibility entering into business as students is that we really can be a factor in changing our companies for good or changing the world comes from a lot. There's more responsibility now, I think, for the marketers to lead in that space to create change. And that should be an encouragement, I think. It was encouragement for me to, to hear that. So any surprises that you kind of went through and said, I, I just didn't really look at things like that, that um, it changed your way of thinking uh, that you didn't expect? I had professional insight from the Jim Stingle podcast, and you two were discussing how there's not really a true roadmap of the future, but you can kind of paint it in a compass aspect and look at it that way. And I won't break it completely down just for time's sake, but the West on a compass, you know, you think about how the sun rises in the East and sets in the West. And so you two related that to the methods, trends, and technologies that are kind of fading away and are yesterday and how COVID-19 obviously comes into a big play in that discussion. And the old way of work is kind of past. We're seeing remote work. There's also been a shift to the digital world and that's been really accelerated by everything and then also kind of in the past you'd have companies focusing on eight to ten objectives at one time and now you're seeing more clarity more focus about about what's really important and seeing companies narrow down on two to three of the really uh, important details and kind of focus on those yeah, let's hope that stays. I mean, that's one of the things I've seen, too, as a real benefit is we, we a lot of those uh, number of objectives. And once you get into big corporations, you guys will, or even small ones, I mean, there's so, sometimes smaller is worse because the entrepreneur is still in charge, perhaps, and they've got an idea a day where they wouldn't be in that space. And so it can get a bit overwhelming chasing too many things at once. And I think what COVID did is really focused everybody down to the core essential things. And that was real releasing, you know, to be able to go do that. And you saw an incredible amount of innovation happen to get closer to the customer in such a short amount of time. And I thought that was uh, something that was brought out pretty well through a number of the, of the people that uh, talked to us. So yeah, who else? I can answer that. One thing that I enjoyed getting to hear about that I wasn't expecting to hear about a ton was the psychology that goes into marketing and understanding consumers a lot of times. I'm a psychology minor, so that was of especially interest to me. Just when Paco and Nick were touching on how customers 
say that they do things differently than they actually do. Uh, that's a pattern I've seen a lot of my psychology classes with response bias and demand characteristics. And I thought it was just really interesting to see how different areas, I think anthropology was also mentioned a couple of times, just how that actually applies to marketing and people with those backgrounds can do well in this industry and understanding people. Well, that's funny. Uh, Paco told a story where he uh, interviewed a person, if you remember, in the parking lot and said, did you buy this? You do that? And, and it was funny because they said, oh, yeah, yeah, I went down that aisle or whatever. And like that didn't even exist in the store. But it's to your point, we do kind of remember th our memories are not that great. And if you're just, you know, asking customers what they did, they, they don't always tell you exactly what happened. Right. I mean, they just. I thought that was really funny. And I've seen that phenomenon myself in, in the roles that I've had is that as customers will tell you, hey, did you notice that? Or, you know, they'll, they'll say things they didn't, didn't even exist. So that was pretty funny. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, Shelby kind of stole my first answer. I was surprised by people. They said even like not lying, but kind of telling you what you want to hear because that's what they think you want to hear, which I thought was really interesting. But another thing that surprised me and that I hadn't really thought about before I listened to these podcasts were the amount of people that the thought leaders that are also focusing on the employee experience throughout the process. And I know a few people talked about it, like Jeff Swearingen and Rashad, but I really like, I think, and Andy, you gave, or maybe it was Jeff gave an example of Chick-fil-A. And so Chick-fil-A for me, I remember at the beginning of Molly Rapert's class, we were talking about love marks and she asked, you know, what were two kind of love marks for you brands that you are loyal to? And one of mine was Chick-fil-A and listening to this about the employee experience and how well Chick-fil-A does it kind of made me see that that is a re part of the reason why I'm loyal to Chick-fil-A because for two reasons, I would say, I think that Chick-fil-A's employee experience, they treat their employees so well. And that in turn trickles down to how their employees treat me, which is awesome. I don't know if you've ever seen their viral videos out there of like Chick-fil-A employees running after people's cars when they forgot like part of their order. And I, to me, I'm just like, no other fast food company would do that. And that's amazing to me. I think, wow, if they really care about me that much, I, yeah, I'm going to go there for lunch every week. I, I love that place. And not only that is in my opinion, I think that companies should treat their employees well. And knowing that Chick-fil-A does, that also brings me into the brand and, and helps me like the brand that much. So just moving forward, I think at some point in my career, I'd probably like to own my own business. So just knowing that the way I treat employees is also going to affect the way my employees treat consumers. I think that's a really good learning that I took away from, from the podcast. So, Well, I got to tell you, Chick-fil-A is one of my favorites too. And it's the drive-through experience that's so crazy because, you know, they're just so good at it. Like nobody can even touch them. I didn't know. I, I hadn't had a lot of background on how they treat employees, but you know, from the, that discussion with Jeff, it all makes sense. I mean, you, you got to treat, and that was one of the things Jeff really hit on was treating, you know, it really starts with how you treat employees and that, that flows over. And even Rashad, as I recall, what struck me about that was he pretty much at the very beginning of the podcast said, the first thing I do is stop using the word customer. And uh, I thought, okay, that's a bit challenging given it's the customer centric leadership initiative. That's about ready to fold up my tent and say, let's just start over or something. And I never forgot that. I mean, I've really been thinking about that. It's really about people. 
And there's not a big separation in Rashad's mind between customers and, and employees. And if you think about it, the word customer is a transactional description of something, right? It's a buying relationship. And if you really want to have a, a more engaging relationship, you should think of them as people. And that really already changes your mindset about when you start asking, well, what do people want? Instead of just saying, what do customers want? So I, I found that was a very interesting piece. One of the questions I have, did I get through everybody? I was just going to say, kind of going off of what Jacob said with like the trickle down effect, for me, it was surprising how many companies aren't already implementing this customer centricity and how difficult it is and how it affects so many different areas of the business beyond the CMO, beyond the CCO, and just how hard it is to measure and talking about kind of changing those KPIs of what we're used to looking at ROI and maybe shifting that to a customer lifetime value and, and how difficult that is to kind of get through the entirety of the business. You would be surprised how this is a difficult journey for so many companies and how you're absolutely right. And it's still a wide open space. So it also shows the difference you can make going into business because most company systems aren't set up to do this right. And they don't have all their customer data in one place and they don't have all the practices in place. And so it's a great, great observation. One of the things that I was curious about from your perspectives is if you noticed a lot of the leaders we talked to, they, they're all great communicators. Many of them are authors. How often they use stories to communicate an idea or a thought. They would tell a story. And so I, I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, but the storytelling of that is a great skill to watch. Because when I talk to leaders, you, you kind of want to hear the content of, for sure, but you want to hear how they deliver that content. And I don't know if anybody remembered one of the stories they talked about. I, I know you... You, you talked, uh, Jacob, about the Chick-fil-A story, but were there any other stories that kind of caught your attention as a good storytelling idea? I had one that I remember from the Jeff Swearingen podcast, and it was kind of similar to what Jacob touched on with the Chick-fil-A example. And he brought up an analogy of a Ritz-Carlton hotel and how that experience of uh, staying there is awesome, but it starts right when you pull up to the hotel. And he kind of related that to the first interaction an individual has with a product or brand because that moment is going to define the relationship you know you have and lay the groundwork for that. Uh, in Miss Molly's class, we've kind of talked about that as the zero moment of truth or the first moment of truth. So that was an analogy that really resonated with me, and I thought he described it very well. I have one during Paco Underhill's podcast. I was really struck, and you touched on this a little bit, but. On the boots on the ground subject, Paco talked about, and he asked you, have you ever been to gallery furniture in Houston? Like so specific, but how he talked about the owner of that store has his desk right at the front door. And he is constantly interacting with his customers that walk through and constantly gaining, you know, how can I make this place better? How can I do this? And I mean, I just really was struck by that. And I think that's a great story and a great example of how being consumer centric means that you need to interact with the consumers. And actually, Andy, we were listening to a podcast you did with Dean Waller earlier this semester, where you said, if you want to get to CMO, you might want to take a, a stop in the customer service department first. And that, that line has really stuck with me. And I think that that boots on the ground and just really getting to know your consumer is super important. And Paco's takeaway of senior level management needs to get in front of consumers face-to-face -face more often. I think that's something that can really help out a marketer. 
That's a great story. And it is so easy for a senior leader to get stuck in a bubble at the top and not reach out and rely on everybody else to go do it. And it's just, you can't do that. You've got to be got to be out in stores. I think I think Taryn took that advice seriously and went straight to customer service uh, right away. Uh, so Shelby, any, anything stick out in your mind? Yeah. Um, when I was listening to Wendy, she was talking about how to get that emotional human experience in um, a retail store. And she did a store walk with a Walmart executive through the beauty aisle. And she suggested to put a mirror in the beauty aisle because it's not so much that the person's going to pick up a lipstick that they haven't bought yet and put it on, but it's more seeing yourself in the mirror and realizing you are human and in that situation. Hey, like, I think I need something in the makeup aisle. And you actually commented on that with um, the mirror in the Florida drugstore that was positioned above your head. So you could see if your roots were going out um, in the hair care aisle which I think is immensely creative. Um, And it honestly made me laugh a little bit, but I can resonate with that like personal experience. You know, if I'm in the beauty aisle at a retailer, having a mirror does kind of make me have that moment of human experience. And I mean, in a good or a bad way, make me think about how I look and it also will affect the products I buy. So secretly, I think it's a genius idea. Yeah, that's so good. I I so remember when I first heard that story of the, with Wendy and then that just seeing that in the aisle with the gray hair, like, like that was genius and low cost. And, you you know, it's just a great word picture to communicate. Yeah, that's great. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a bit and go a different direction. And from all the learnings you've had about how industry thought leaders are thinking about the customer experience, if you were queen or king for a day, are there any of those insights you could play back to you think about the student experience as a customer of the university? And this isn't, I'm not fishing for problems, but I am, I am curious because I, I think there is an opportunity and, and U of A is certainly on that journey where you think about the university experience. And it's been really under pressure because of COVID of being able to deliver that experience. And so I don't know if you've got any thoughts around I don't, advice or insights around how your own experience as a customer of the university could be looked at as an area for continued growth and improvement. Yeah, I'll jump on that. I think I can speak for us all when I say Molly Raybert's class is just amazing. And the format she uses of not teaching from a textbook and we're reading real-time articles. Um, and even with this podcast, like learning in this kind of format, I'll say I've learned so much just from listening to these episodes even more so than I've learned in an entirety of a semester of a class. So I think definitely implementing more of this kind of format of listening to people in the industry and thought leaders and getting an understanding of what's actually going on. I think that would be great. Molly is at top of the top in terms of a partner for me and great idea bouncer. And the only sad thing is I'd have a, a few ideas and I'd call her up about it and say, yeah, we're already doing that. And so uh, I almost give up trying to give her new ideas because she's already on top of it ahead of me. But you're right. The teaching experience and going through that, that's very, um, I'm glad you said that because it is a unique thing. And it, it does open the, the door, you know, once other people see that, there's so many different ways you can learn, right? There's so many different ways you can be taught and engaging. And I just, you know, appreciate, I think she always thinking about her students first. So that's, that's great. I have one. I'm not sure if this is exactly what you're asking, but I think it is. So 
I'm sure Matt and Shelby and Taryn have kind of dealt with this as well, but the advising office at Walton College, there's not a lot of opportunities to get a meeting scheduled when it comes to like you needing to sign up for your next semester's classes. And it goes back to some, I forget who it was, but someone in the podcast was talking about people just like to talk to people, you know? And so instead of just me going online and looking at what classes I need to take next semester, I enjoy more going and talking to, and I have a great advisor. His name's Bill Reagan. Shout out Bill Reagan. He's awesome. But I really enjoy going in and talking to Bill Reagan and talking about the options I have. You know, what can I minor in? What what classes will help me in my career? But one thing about Walton is that when you're about to sign up for classes, it can be hard to get an appointment for like a month or two months out. So if I, that's my biggest suggestion is maybe kind of figuring out a more efficient way or getting more appointments available for students to have to talk about their classes and talk about their opportunities. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is you're talking about eliminating friction and hassle factors. And so I think any university, a good starting point to improve student experience would be to, you know, talk to students and find out where those layers of friction and hassle are And as we found out through these podcasts, most companies get the biggest bang for their buck on customer experiences by eliminating dissatisfiers first before starting to create a lot of new things from scratch. And I think it it wouldn't be that hard really to pull together all the things that are there and rank them and then say, okay, let's take this on, on first. So that's a good piece of advice to look at. I have some quick input. I'm not sure if I have a specific suggestion, but just with COVID and things that were emphasized in the interviews a lot of the time was marrying the technology and in-person interaction. And I think that's something we've seen a lot just this last semester, having some in-person classes and some over Zoom. And it will just be interesting to see how the student experience can be further enhanced, even just years down the road through hybrid classes. And it's definitely a learning curve right now. And I think the university's done a great job, but I think it'll just be interesting to see where it goes next semester and then even continuing onward. Yeah, 100%. It will be interesting. I, I think we might look back a couple of years from now because so much technology has been improved because of the pandemic, but you do kind of wonder will Zoom be the same two years from now or will we have virtual headsets and, you know, like what I, I got a feeling this is going to feel antiquated at not too long from now because there's still things you realize you can't do yet. You know, you don't it's just still not the same as being in person and there's still big gaps of where I think probably technology could continue to advance and it feels a bit more natural. And a lot of companies are struggling with return to office to work and will we really go back to five days in the office? I, I don't know. I, I really struggle. I don't think it's going to be that at all. I think there's going to be a hybrid. And maybe instead of when you're going to a new company, instead of getting a company car, if that's what you if that's what you get, you know, whatever it is, maybe I just need a better setup at my home. You know, I mean, give me a great camera and lighting and, and I'll be good. So I, I don't know what the new kind of kit would be for for uh, employees coming in. So, Matt, you're about to say something. Yes, sir. I was just going to add one thing real quick. And everybody kind of touched on how we're missing the human experience this year. And it reminded me of a piece of unconventional wisdom from Jeff's podcast, I believe. And we all have mentors, you know, some formal, some informal. And I think that's one of the best aspects of being a college student is you've got the faculty, you know, 
your peers, you've got employers and community members, especially here in Northwest Arkansas that are just unbelievable people. And Jeff talked about creating a personal board of directors, which is kind of a step above just a, a mentor. He said it can be a little bit more intentional that way. So looking back, that's one thing I wish I would have done you know, early on in my college career was kind of set up my mentor group as a personal board of directors. That's a great advice. And I tell you, that's a, you're right. And you can start that at any point. You can, you know, not too late now, you can absolutely create this, quote, board of directors of people that are influencing and helping you through it. Because I think a lot of people want to help too. Any other comments or insights? I think it was great, great comments all the way around. Anything else you guys want to talk about or questions you might have? Yeah, I want to talk. This was one of my biggest takeaways. And it's kind of a story or multiple stories, a situation, but I think that it really just taught me what the real, like focusing on the consumer is. Wendy and Luis both talked about it. Imagine a supermarket and the milk is in the back. And so for me, I remember when someone first told me, oh, you know why they put the milk in the back? It's so you spend more time in the store. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, that's so smart. I'll would spend more money, whatever. But now after listening and learning about the consumer experience, I am just completely on the other side and just think that Louis said, come back, come back, come back. That should be the goal. We want you to come back because spending more money in the store on one trip is way less valuable than taking multiple trips. So for example, supermarkets should begin to you know, focus on the customer and what are their dissatisfiers like time. If it's taking a customer more time to go to the back of the supermarket and get milk, and that is a dissatisfier for them, they're going to not like going to the store because they're spending too much time. Rather, if you delete that dissatisfier, they're going to enjoy going to the store more and they'll come back to your store more often, ending in more value for the company. So I think that that just example and situation really embodies the consumer experience and the consumer's centricity. You couldn't be more right. And you can see some of the new formats uh, that like Walmart's rolling out with the front end at the front. You see it now to go where it's really easy and fast to get to go stuff. That's really based on that insight. And that's, you know, super helpful for customers when you do that. And it was funny when I was uh, working at Aston not that many months ago, you would uh, talk to, when I talked to customers, we'd often hear, the reason that they might prefer, we call them a, you know, a, disc, a hard discount or like an Aldi Lidl versus Asta is they would say, when I come to Asta, I overspend because I'm weak and I see the promotions and I can't help myself and I end up spending more than I should. But if I go to an Aldi, I can't spend because there's not many items there. So I'm not, I'm not going to really, they, it's almost like they're being edited because of the temptations that they know they're weak. And so I always thought that was kind of amusing, but it's probably true how the customers look at those stores. And it is about getting them to come back. It's not about getting every penny out of their pocket as a customer and over-promoting them because they, they tend to not like that. They don't want to feel like they overspent because they just couldn't get enough of all the different promotions. And so that's a, that's a great insight. Well, I want to thank you guys. You have been awesome. And I know I uh, pulled on you for last minute a lot of times of uh, getting this person on. Anybody have any comments? I know Molly's uh, put her through a few fire drills, but it's been really, really cool. And one of the things that blew me away, I don't know what Molly did, but I did one piece of content. I forgot what it was even. It might have been Dean Waller's interview, but 
I got on my computer in the morning and I found most of the people that comment on my LinkedIn's are like, hey, great job, mate. They're like three words or something. And I got like these like 70 comments that were like really thoughtful comments from students. I didn't know they were students. I didn't know where they came from. And I thought for a fleeting second, I was brilliant, that, that this was like the most amazing content in the world because I've never gotten a comment. And then only to find Molly had shared that with the class. And uh, I don't know if she gave you guys extra credit for that, but you absolutely blew my LinkedIn out of the water. I really did enjoy going to each single one and trying to give a helpful, unique response back. But that was like four hours of my life that went away, but I was so grateful for it because that just like never happens. And so you've pushed my LinkedIn ratings, I think through the roof accidentally, but I've enjoyed the comments and um, they were all great comments. They, they, every Everybody really could tell was highly engaged in the, in the series and the content. And anytime I get to work with the class and the students, it's the highlight of my of my time. So uh, I couldn't be happier and really, really thankful for all you guys. And especially you four rose to the top and really helped me out quite a bit. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having us. And one quick comment with that LinkedIn post. I just want to say, I guess, thank you on behalf of all of us as students. I know we felt very encouraged that you took the time to reply to each of us individually. So thank you for that as well. Uh, This whole process has been fantastic. Excellent. Thank you. It was, a, it was a joy. It really was. It was a lot of fun. So thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. And I just want to say, if, if there are any students out there listening, the biggest piece of advice I could give you, take Molly Rapert's class. It is the best class. She is the best professor. And I've learned more in her class than any other class I've ever taken and gotten opportunities in her class that I wouldn't have gotten in any other class. So take Molly Rapert's class. And thank you for having me, Andy. You're welcome. And you couldn't be more right. She is the best. Any other shout outs you guys want to make while we're in our 15 minutes of fame? Uh, Shout outs to anybody because we're going to distribute this as widely as we can. Yeah, I second what Jacob said. Uh, Molly is awesome. Any U of A students listening, you're missing out if you don't take her. This has just been an extraordinary opportunity. Just one of many from her class. So she's the best. Excellent. Excellent. Ditto. And thank you, Andy, just for having us and for everything you've done and your work with Walton. I'm excited that for the next few years, marketing students will get to experience more of what we're experiencing now. We're going to keep it going. Um, Lots of new people in the lineup to be interviewed. So I'm excited about that. And it's a We're going to try to keep it going and even just make it bigger and bigger as we go. So again, thank you guys and um, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for season one of It's a Customer's World podcast. If you've not had a chance to listen to all the episodes, please make sure you don't miss out on that opportunity to hear firsthand from some of the biggest game changers and leaders in the customer experience space. I'd encourage you to pop over to our website. It's listed in the link in the show notes where you'll find a list of all the episodes you can sign up to, as well as our newsletter. And we'll keep you up to date on all things that we're doing with the customer-centric leadership initiative, as well as letting you know first when season two is ready to launch. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. That's it for this episode of It's a Customer's World. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I'd be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. 
And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. It's a Customers World podcast as a product of the University of Arkansas Customer-Centric Leadership Initiative and a Walton College original production.